welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Awesome. Having said all that, I want to start this morning on a message I've entitled Modelling Manhood. Modelling Manhood. Being male is physiological, it's biological, um, and it's a reality, okay? Uh, it's an attitude, it's a choice, it's something that we must decide, okay? Being a man is a decision, and we want to look at that this morning. The problem is there are so many wrong models of what being a man is. As males, we've done it all. We've dominated women, we've ignored women, and we've become women. Quite literally for some people. And uh, with that being the case, when we talk about being a man, a lot of people are confused about what it is to be a man. What it is to be a Christian man. What it is to be a man based upon what the Word of God says. If we take the Word of God out of it, anything goes. And so we don't apologise for these mornings and we don't apologise for the things we share because what we're trying to do is put into the mix what a real man is. Because there's lots of stuff out there, as I'm sure you're all aware. Uh, Too many today have not been shown what it is to be a real man. And if you watch television today, you're not going to learn much. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me that every show these days has the, the homosexual content in it. You can't have a reality show these days without the homosexuals being represented. And it would suggest that there's this major portion of the community that are homosexual. And that is not true. It's still a very, very small minority. It's just that those that tend to be homosexuals are in the media and have taken over the arts to some degree. And so they're always putting their awe and always having their say. And so whenever you see a show, it looks like everyone's homosexual. And that's actually not the case. And so we want to just, again, it's not about attacking any one particular group. It's about getting back to the Bible. That's all this is about. Okay. And so we want to look at what it is to be a real man. Um, we are told that, uh, you know, even in the church, I, I, to be honest, I think some of the churches have got it wrong over the years because we focus on morality and we've made men, try, and we've tried to turn them into good little boys. And again, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Having said that, it's insufficient in and of itself because we've been invited as men to so much more. John Eldridge of Wild at Heart book says that we as men need to know that we've got what it takes. We're born for a challenge. And that's why we love films like Gladiator. It's why we love films like uh, William Wallace's Braveheart. It's why we like um, the good action movies. It's why we like the, the Van Dams and the Sylvester Stallones and the uh, Arnold Schwarzeneggers. Again, I'm kind of dating myself here, but... We, we, love, we love the thought of being against the odds and one man stands up and makes a difference or a group of men stand up. When you study history, we, we love certain men who made a difference. One of my heroes is Winston Churchill, a man who was born for his time. He wasn't just a good little boy. He was a man that was born for his time and he made a difference. And he turned World War II on its head. His decisions were incredible. 
And he wasn't popular with those decisions. And when the war was over, he was ousted in no uncertain terms. It's, it's unbelievable. But we love the hero. We, we, we love the, the, the stories whereby the man overcomes. And that, that's put in us by God. That's in our DNA. And it doesn't matter what television tells us. It doesn't matter what society tells us. That does not go away. It's within us. It may get squashed. It may get um, overridden with other things, but as a kid growing up, that's in all of us. We, uh, as John Eldridge says, are looking for a battle to fight. We are looking for a beauty to rescue. And we are looking for an adventure of a lifetime. Is this the significant woman meeting? Is this... Is that what happened? Did the, did the girls not leave last night? I'm just talking to the ladies. I mean, like, seriously, you think about it. As a young kid growing up, who as a young kid growing up said, oh, I want to be mediocre. I can't wait to get my suit and tie and briefcase and, and just settle down. No kid wants that. They want a battle to fight. They want a, they want a challenge to overcome. They want adventure in their life. And they want a girl to rescue my son Mitchell, he's going to kill me for saying this, but I'm going there. He's 11 years of age. And the other night I was putting him to bed. It's literally about four weeks ago. I'm putting him to bed and he starts asking me this question. He says, hey, Dad, how old were you when you dated mum? And so I answered the question. Then he asked me another question about our dating relationship and this and that and how old we were and boy meets girl. And I answered that question. And after the second question I answered, I thought, hang on a minute. Why are you asking me these questions? Do you like someone? And he went a little bit embarrassed. He said, yeah. And I said, do I know her? He goes, yeah. I said, did you go to school? No. Church? Yeah. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then he tells her who it is. And I'm going to leave her name out because I don't want to embarrass her. And I looked at her and said, ah, oh, she's a sweetie. Good choice. And she, she's a great little girl. And then we just talked about what that looks like for him in these next few days, weeks, months, and years. And said, so just, just become friends and just, just get to know her and, and talk to her and, and one thing and another. And as a young boy, here he is, already wanting to you know, show off and, and, and rescue her. And the other day he bought her a chocolate bar. And tonight they're going roller skating. And so last night he wanted to go roller skating to get his skate up so he could show off. How many of you want to show off to your wives now after being married a few years? That's my point. Come on. That should never leave us, but it does because we get told, you know, that you know, marriage is no, not where it's at. And in television, tell me a, uh, show me a show where marriage is honoured on the television right now. <laughs> is Miley Cyrus in that? I mean, what? <laughs> Gary, you're, you're, you're a few hours late for the women's meeting, mate. Anyway. <laughs> If that, all jokes aside, if that is true, fantastic. But it's few and far between. That's my point. You know, it's always about the girlfriend. It's always about the extramarital affair. It's always about whatever, but what God intended. 
And I do believe it's a scheme of the enemy, to be honest, just to water down and subtly erode the foundations, which is built on family and community and connection. And so um, just think back for a moment how far maybe some of us have drifted from, from, from what God put in us as kids that somehow has just got eroded. We're looking for a battle to fight. We're looking for a beauty to rescue. And we're looking for the adventure of a lifetime. Unfortunately, we become a, pro- a byproduct of our environment, monkey see, monkey do. And uh, no matter how fortunate you were growing up, your parents had flaws. I love my dad. He has his flaws. I'm a parent doing my best, but I have my flaws. We all have our flaws. And unfortunately, these th- flaws can get into our thinking and ultimately our behavior. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, sworn this, that you will never be like your parents. You know, you, maybe there was a particular trait uh, about your parents you didn't like. Said, I'm, I'm never going to do that. And guess what happens most of the time? We end up doing what we said we wouldn't do. We might not like it, but we just don't know anything else. We don't know any other way. And so we revert back to what we know. Even though we know it's wrong, even though we know it's annoying, we revert back to what we have seen, what we have heard, and what we've been taught, be it consciously or subconsciously. And uh, we must, in order to model manhood according to the biblical pattern, we must undo some of the things we've been taught. And this is not to disrespect our parents. You know, whenever you talk about parents and whenever you talk about family matters, it's kind of like all hell can break loose. Have you noticed that you can say whatever you want about your family, but if anyone else says something about your family, all hell breaks loose. And I don't want all hell to break loose this morning. And I don't want to be perceived as having a go at your family. But I would ask us to do an audit of our own family and our own environment in an honouring way of our parents, because let's face it, many of our parents just did what they knew to do. Many of our parents were brought up with uh, um, many of our parents were brought up with parents who didn't know what they were doing, and so there's this ongoing cycle that's perpetuated because we don't really know what to do, and we don't really know what we're doing. And so this is not an opportunity to have a go at our parents. It's not an opportunity to blame our parents for the way we turned out. It's an opportunity for us to take a stock take as men and make a a healthy assessment and reassessment of our lives, where they're at and why we ended up where we've ended up or why we're on a track that we're on. Is that making sense this morning? And so we we must recognize, sorry, some unhealthy patterns. And this is not easy. And uh, we must do it nonetheless. And so I want to look at some areas this morning, just three areas, rules, roles and records that we need to look at. The rules are those boundaries that we were brought up in in our homes. All of us grew up with certain rules. Some were healthy, some were not so healthy. An example of an unhealthy rule would be this. Oi, boy, why are you crying? Real men don't cry. That may not be everyone's uh, story, but I bet you it's some people's story in this place. Whereby you were perceived to be a wimp or less of a man if you showed any emotion, not just tears, but any emotion whatsoever. And a lot of that came from their parents putting it on your parents. 
And a lot of that came out of, we don't really know how to respond when a young boy cries. And so we just don't feel uncomfortable. So please stop it. And so we perceive we're never going to do that. And when, when, you know what? When we have kids, we find ourselves doing the same thing if we're not careful. And so these are some of the rules that we have grown up with. And as a result of some of the rules, we adopt certain rules uh, to help please, to help cover up. Um, we entertain certain roles. And some of those roles would be that of a hero. A hero is the overachiever, the person that's addicted to recognition. And so maybe as a young boy growing up, you know, it was all about being the best at sport. You had to win at all costs. There was no place for a a second person. You had to be the number one. And now you put that onto your kids. The hero. Got to be the hero all the time. Neil Curley said, you show me a loser and I'll show you show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. Sounds cool. It sounds tough. It sounds macho. The trouble is not all of us can be winners. If you've got 10 people in a race, not all 10 can win in the contents of coming first. We can all do our best, but we can't all come first. Only one can come first. And heroes make sure that their boy or their daughter, they're the number one. And it becomes an impossibility to please because there's this drivenness. And kids grow up with just this drivenness of achieving. Maybe that's not you, or maybe that's not your experience, but maybe yours is that of a rebel, the underachiever, the person who perpetually plays the rebel in order to take pressure off yourself. Maybe some of you, it's the joker, where you're always alive for the party, always fun, but never serious. And again, it's that take the pressure off yourself. Because you've seen the hero, you don't like that, and so now you're doing the opposite But these extremes aren't where it's at. Maybe some of you, it's the caretaker. You're the busybody. You're the busybody. You're you're the one who's forever helping everybody else. You're forever poking your nose in everybody else's business. These are very real roles that people adopt. The third thing is the records. So we've got rules. As a result of those rules, we adopt certain roles. And as a result of those roles, certain records are stored up. Records are stored up in our memories as we grow up. I have certain records that play in my head. When I think about the rainbow boy sitting down at the dinner table, there's this record that goes off in my mind. Boys, less talking and more eating. That was my mum all the time. I remember us laughing and joking. And because I sat opposite my dad and and Baz was closer to dad than anyone at the dinner table, as we were joking, me and Pete being that little bit older, had enough wisdom to recognise when dad had had enough. But unfortunately, Baz, who couldn't see dad's eyeballs, he kept going that little bit longer. And sure as I'm standing here today, Baz would end up with a clip round the ear. It's recorded in my memory. And then they're fun ones and they're good ones. But for many of us, we have bad ones. And for many of us, we have examples that really are unhelpful. Um, Some of those examples could be, you'll never learn. And so when you try to do something new, in the back of your mind is this recording, you'll never learn. And it can affect the way we do our lives. 
It could be this one. Who do you think you are? So when you start making a go of something, in the back of your mind, who do you think you are? And you back off. I've had many people tell me, who do you think you are? And it's something I've had to break in my life because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I listened to everyone's, who do you think you are? I was so encouraged one day when I was reading the Bible because Jesus was doing what only Jesus can do. And the people said to him, who do you think you are? Am I talking to the right people this morning? Just look at what you're doing to your mother. Stop acting like a baby. I'll give you something to cry about. You're good for nothing. Hey, these things may have been said in the heat of the moment, but when you get enough heat of the moments, it begins to stick. It may not be that your parents actually meant you're good for nothing, but just in the heat of their moment and the fact that they were struggling to deal with life themselves, they end up saying some things and they repeat it over and over and over and over again. And as young boys, we're impressionable and we begin to take on board what we're hearing. You're just like your whatever that may be. Why can't you be more like your Come on, am I talking like people? You think of young boys, why can't you be more like your sister? You get told that often enough. And you're going to become a girl. You're stupid. You're such a little sissy. You know, I always feel for the homosexual community, because many of them, we talk about, you know, it's a, they've been born into this. I'm thinking most of them have been coached into it. Because we, 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 as men, we don't quite know how to handle a guy that's more emotional. And, and we feel like, they make us feel uncomfortable because they're a little bit more emotional than we are. They're a little bit different than us. And so we begin to label them just to, in order to make us feel a, a little bit more comfortable about ourselves. And also guys get talked into things. Instead of us actually embracing the differences within men. And so these are the rules, roles and records. And I believe steps to healthiness is to, number one, rewrite the rules. And rewriting the rules means... (laughs) Mate, glad you're my friend. That's awesome. (laughs) Rewriting the rules means... Being disloyal to unhealthy family rules. Which is difficult when you've been told to honour your parents. And I believe you can't honour your parents, but be disloyal and unattached to some of the things that they put on you. Again, this is not an opportunity for us to be irresponsible and start laying the blame on our parents. But we've got to recognise things that are unhealthy in our lives. My dad did his best to protect me and my other two brothers from how we could perceive marriage because he grew up in a home, you've, told, you've heard me share this many times before, but it wasn't a, an overly loving marriage. In actual fact, I remember sleeping over my friend's, uh, my mate's place when I was about 12 and having a sleepover and I saw his mum and dad 
sitting there watching the television with us and they had their arm around her and it freaked me out. I'd never seen a married couple do that. I just thought married couples did what my mum and dad did. And I just, I just remember staring at them. It was so foreign to me that a married couple could sit and watch television and actually have their arms around each other. And I love my mum and I love my dad, but I've had to rewrite some of those things in my thinking that I saw growing up. Is this making sense? And so we've got to rewrite the rules. And so one thing we've tried to do, Kath and I, to combat that is to make sure that whenever we're sitting on the couch that our kids see us loving each other. So the hands go around and, and, and you know what, we'll kiss each other in front of them and they're always grossed out by that. They're going, oh, but I know they love it. Because they, they're grossed out, but they love it. It's kind of like a love-hate thing. And so, you know, I'm not talking to you and I'm not talking at you. I'm in this together. There's not one of us that were brought up in a perfect home. And there's not one of us that are perfect parents. And so it's always a life change going on. And so then we need to re-script the roles. See, the role-playing comes across to cover our shame. And we pretend to be more human or less human than we are. We cover up. We either cover up by being the hero, or we become less, uh, less human by being the rebel, so less pressure is put on us. And all of these are just role-playing. And covering up the true you. And one thing I've tried to do, along with all the guys who have stood up here with a microphone over the years, is just be real with you. And I know as a church, or the church worldwide, we've done a bad job at this. Because one of the standout qualities that we get feedback on is, wow, you're just so real. I can't believe how honest and open you are. Which says to me that even in church we tend to get this wrong. That somehow I have to put on my cape and my jocks on the outside of my pants and be Superman because I'm a pastor. And pastors never make mistakes. And it's just not true. And so we've tried to tell the stories that just earth our humanity. I shared a story a few years ago when I went to Bondi Beach. Obviously had a busy year it was December 26th. We got the Christmas period out of the way. We got the big production out of the way. I was tired and I needed a couple of days to unwind. I get myself onto Bondi Beach and the kids start complaining. And I, to my shame, saw red. I was so mad. I lost it. And I started shouting at the top of my voice. I grab the umbrella, I grab the kids' stuff, and I'm walking around and I'm just saying at the top of my voice, I can't believe it! I can't believe it! That you can be so flippin' selfish! I can't believe it! And I'm shouting this. I don't care who hears me. I don't care who wants to pick a fight with me. If someone had told me to be quiet, I would have smacked them around the head with the umbrella. I was in that kind of foul mood. I was not in a talking mood. I was in a fighting mood. And I was baiting someone to... I was so mad. Pastor. By God's grace, Bondi Rescue was not filming that day. (laughs) 
if you think less of me because of that story, then that's fine. But I'd rather run that risk than me have to pretend to you that I'm something and I'm not. Because I can't live under that pressure. And nor can you. So if you're prone to playing the role of the hero, stop it. If you're prone to playing the role of the rebel or the joker or the caretaker or some other role, stop it. Just be yourself. It never ceases to amaze me some of the shame people feel as they come and confess their sins and say, hello, I just want you to know I've been doing this and it's not good. I say, oh, well done. He said, what? No, no, not, not for what you've been doing, but for the fact you've been open and honest about it. See, what I loved about Mitchie telling you that he liked a girl, I didn't go into, oh, no, we've reached that stage already. I thought, well, isn't it awesome that I've got a kid who can talk about it? And so each week I just say, how are you going with your little relationship? With I mean, it's nothing. And we just talk about it. I want him to know, and I want my two daughters to know, that they can talk to me about anything at all. Don't pretend with me. Don't pretend to be something you're not. I want you warts and all. And that's the type of church we're trying, by God's grace, to build. A warts and all church. Maybe we should call ourselves warts and all Christian centre. or so. I don't know. But that's always been in my heart. It can be misperceived. It can be misconstrued. People can think less of us. I was sharing recently with another church about what we do with the blokes. And I mentioned beer. And I could sit at the place went, I'm like, oh, come on, really? Really? Are we, are we still there? Are we still at that stage where you're not allowed to mention beer in church? Are you kidding me? I'm not your guy. If, if, that's what you, if you want to play those, I'm not, I'm not your guy. Hey, some people might want to put on me, oh, you're just being that rebel like you've been talking. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to be real. We don't, we don't want to do the beer thing just to be rebellious and just to be different and just to be a talk. We just, I just don't know too many guys who don't like burgers, beer and boxing and that's who we're trying to reach. That's all. I don't think that's being rebellious. Just trying to help them. Just saying, we get you, we get it, which is far better than put on a mask, let's play church. I've told the church many times that there's times I've been going to church, going to church. I'm, about, I'm the guy who's about to sing, and I'm the guy who's about to preach. Get to church, hi, how you doing? It's good. <laughs> Trouble is, I'm not, I'm not great at putting on a mask. And so people say, oh, tough morning. Yeah, tough morning. Flipping kids. Wife. <laughs> never me. It's never me. Any men know it? It's never you. It's just those kids and that wife. Is this, is this hitting the mark this morning? So we've got to rewrite the rules. We've got to re-script the roles. And we've got to reprogram the records. You know that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me? It sounds cool. But I've seen guys break their bones. Damien Kelly broke his leg in four places. Uh, many of you have had broken bones. I've, I've seen the, the, the effects of physical abuse. It heals. I've seen the effects of um, physical injuries through accidents. It heals. But those words, you idiot, 
you're stupid. Who do you think you are? Why aren't you more like your sister? Why aren't you more like your brother? Those things last for a lifetime. So sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I just have not seen that to be true. I have seen words scar people far more than sticks and stones ever will. And for me, this is the incredible power of the gospel. That Jesus Christ, by his grace and mercy, can help us to rewrite and reprogram the rules, the roles, and the records in our lives. For some, it's almost instantaneous. For others, it's a little-by-little journey. But this I know to be true. Through the power of Christ, we have the ability to break off some of the stuff well-meaning, well-intentioned people put on us. People often think Christianity is for wimps, Christianity is for weak people. I'm happy to say, yeah, I'm that weak person. And in admitting my weakness actually makes me quite strong. Because when you're living this bravado with this, everything's fine, I'm always up, I'm always good. I remember one guy who was trying to make his way up for the top and he was in this uh, pyramid program trying to get to the top and, and you'd ask him, how are you going, mate? And he'd say, oh, I'm, I'm okay. He said, I'm doing great, but don't worry, don't worry, I'll get better. <laughs> you idiot. Really? Really? That's where it's at? I'm great, mate, but I'll get better. <laughs> I don't think that's where it's at for men. I think we as men need to know how to deal with our anger, deal with our frustrations, deal with our addictions. And the only way we're going to do that is in a loving environment that accepts us for who we are. And we see that in Christ. It's while we were still sinners, he came for us. While we were addicted, while we were swearing, while we were lying, while we were sleeping around, while we were being crass, while we were doing drugs, while we were getting drunk, while we were doing all that, he came. And as the church, we have to be there for people while they're doing all that. Not wait for them to get their act cleaned up before you can come and be part of us. As I look around this room, if there's people not addicted to some things today, I'll stand hanging. If there are some people that um, have not been challenged by what I've shared today, I'll stand hanging. I know that. I know that. If there's some people today who aren't struggling in the marriage, I'd be very surprised. We are leading a church of broken people that need help. And little by little, slowly but surely, by God's grace and the willingness to surrender to him, we're seeing lives changed. Some drastically, some slowly, but change is coming, which is phenomenal. I was just really blessed looking at Dwayne sitting here. Uh, He's a guy who's been around for many years. He's had his issues like all of us have, uh, maybe different for him than others, but issues nonetheless. But I was so blessed the other day as I heard him taking out a group of about 40 people on a boat trip and then giving them gifts just to say thank you for the help he's received in what he's been doing in town with the soup kitchen, with the uh, Salvation Army. I think, my goodness me, here's a guy, you know, that God is using and it's phenomenal. And I want you to hear that, Dwayne, because I don't know if you realize the significance of that because, you know, often, you know, you don't think enough of yourself, I don't believe. And so I just want to honor you in front of all these men.
I'd be very surprised if he can stand up and say, I've got it all together. I don't think he has. I think he's just getting on with the job while he's learning. It's awesome, hey? Can I pray for you this morning? I don't know what the time is. I, I don't know what the time when I started. I don't know what time is now. I did not come up here with the watch, which is really, really dangerous. So what's the time? Hey, seriously, quick, quick, let's stand. I'm, I'm over time. <laughs> Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to gather together as men. I want to thank you for your son, Jesus, who ultimately enables us to be real. We don't want to celebrate sin here today. In telling my stories, I'm not here to celebrate anger. I'm not here to celebrate some of the dumb things I've done. That is not my purpose, nor is it my point. My point to that is, one, because of you, we can be real. And because of you, we can be forgiven. And because of you, we can move on. And because of you, we can rewrite the rules. We can re-script the roles. And we can reprogram the records. And for that, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.